0: Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Maybe. Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne. Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th,
1: only on Hulu. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur till it's time to do entrepreneur shit. Not entrepreneurship, entrepreneur shit.
2: (laughs) And I recently saw a meme that said, everybody wants to be an entrepreneur but we need more electricians facts facts
1: no dead ass <laughs> dead ass
2: hey i'm kadeen
1: and i'm deval
2: and we're the ellises
1: you may know us from posting funny videos with our boys
2: and reading each other publicly as a form of therapy
1: wait i make you need therapy most days. Wow.
2: <laughs> oh, and one more important thing to mention: we're married.
1: Yes, sir, we mm-hmm. are. We created this podcast to open dialogue about some of life's most taboo topics—things
2: most folks don't want to talk about—through
1: the lens of a millennial married couple. Dead ass is a term that we say every day. So when we say dead ass, we're actually saying facts, one hundred, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. <laughs> we about <laughs> to take pillow talk to a whole new level.
2: Deadass starts right now.
1: This story takes me back to 2009. This is when I was working at Poly Prep. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because Dave Fredrickson just texted me three days ago. Mm -hmm. Dave Fredrickson was my first personal client when it came to training. Mm. And I was at Poly Prep. I was working as um, offensive coordinator for the JV football team. And I noticed that a large part of the general population has children who want to play sports at an extremely high level, but don't know what it takes to get to that extremely high level. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hmm, I was living in Brooklyn at the time, just retired from the NFL. And I said, hmm, There's this This has legs for a, a really good business. Yeah, there's there's a market here for a really good business. And hence I started... Elite Prototype Athletics with my brother, Brian. Mm -hmm. And I think it was 2009 going into 2010, we spoke at over 15 banquets all over the city. And we were pretty much soliciting uh, people to entrust us with their kids' development uh, through speed and agility training. And after speaking with, I think, over 400 people that winter, we only had one client in the summertime. Mm-hmm. And when most people would have quit, I invested all of my time into this one client. His Name was Ramel Ashby. Yeah, His mom was Naisha Bates. Mm-hmm. I had Ramel for the entire summer. And when he got back to playing Pop Warner football that year at the age of 12, I believe he scored over 40 touchdowns. Whoa. And then the following winter, we had 30 clients. Mm-hmm. And those 30 clients trained them the entire winter, spring, summer. They went back, went to the national championship game for their division. The following year had over 140 clients in the winter. And then over 300 clients by the spring. And Elite Prototype Athletics was officially it grew,
2: born. It grew. We have mad kids, y'all. You thought it was just four? No. Nope. No, we got,
1: we got mad like kids. Like over 500. And this is the the funny part about this story as we as we dive into what it took. I'm gonna dive into what it took for me and Kadeem to run this business because this became the family business. Sure it is. But I remember when I first came back to Brooklyn um, and I, I was working at Poly Prep and I started telling people what I wanted to do. All I kept hearing from people was, there's no way that's gonna work. Mm-hmm. That's all I kept hearing from people. The only persons, persons, cause there was two people who saw the vision, like I saw the vision, was Kadeem and my brother Brian.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and elite prototype athletics was born.
2: Wah. Wah.
1: <laughs> there's a whole lot of money in this motherfucker. <laughs> that's the only part of the song I know. And I know the beat I go can't even boom, help you boom, out boom, neither. There's, there's a whole lot, lot of money in this motherfucker.
2: motherfucker. And that's mm, all that matters. Mm, mm. Mm, mm, mm. Ah. Hey, mm, 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 There's a whole mm, lot of money mm, in this mm, motherfucker. Mm,
3: mm.
1: Hey.
2: <laughs> Alright, let's check this out.
1: <laughs> we gotta pay some bills because mm-hmm. we're trying to get some more money in this motherfucker. That part. Um, we wanna pay might these
2: bills. Google the lyrics too. Yeah, let's matter fact, Let's let's Google let's the lyrics, lyrics so we can come see
1: come what back. the lyrics are I know. Uh... Oh, hopefully this it's worth us saying at least the whole chorus and not that one <laughs> part of the chorus. But we'll be right back after these messages. Hey, what's good, y'all? I think it's important for you to understand why black representation in media is important. It's important because So we're back.
2: We're back. I ain't Googled this song, y'all. No, we got
1: it. we got too much to talk about when that it comes part. to entrepreneurship.
2: Yes, because so many of you, we were asking for like just yeah. topic suggestions, things you want us to talk about, mm-hmm. things you want to hear about. And many people talked about how did it all start? Where did the business start? Um, becoming entrepreneurs. What was the road like for you guys? So we figured we would just tap in. Yeah. Let so y'all know. Um, so that's what we're talking about today in an August 2021 study. Uh, Research showed that while nationally, okay, the number of business owners rose by 2%, black business owners rose by 38% from pre-pandemic numbers. Mm. Interesting, right? Even still, black businesses were also the hardest hit early in the pandemic. Both of these facts are due to systemic disparities in entrepreneurship. The lack of access black owners have to information, opportunities and funding Has both fueled our ingenuity and contributed to our failures simultaneously, right? Mm -hmm. In order to change the future, it's up to us to provide the information that we have to help how we can. So So here we are. (laughs)
1: Let's start. People always ask me, Mm -hmm. right? What is the first thing an entrepreneur needs in order to get started? Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna say this, and and I hope y'all understand what I what I mean when I say this. You need vision,
3: mm-hmm.
1: right? Like you you have to understand people and socioeconomics, mm-hmm. right? People thinks people think that if you just have an idea mm-hmm. or conviction, you can be an entrepreneur. That's not the case.
2: Because mm, I was about to say a lot of people have visions of like, oh, this should work, that should right. work, but can't actually put the wheels in motion. So.
1: Absolutely, you have to have the foresight to see or or know a, a service or product that people need in abundance mm. in order to be a good entrepreneur, right? Mm. For example, someone may be doing something at home and say, you know what I could really need, I could really use right now? And it comes to their mind. But what happens is they say, oh, if I need this, Everybody may need this, Mm -hmm. not understanding socioeconomics and not understanding if is that really a need that you have or a need that the world would have. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people start businesses off of ideas that they feel they think are good or they need. Mm -hmm. Realistically, an entrepreneur needs to be able to see the world in its totality, right? Mm -hmm. See something that is in need or high demand and then create that product at a cost that people can afford it. Mm -hmm. Give you an example. When I started training in 2010, um, there was a a place called Parisi Speed School. And when when I was training for the NFL Combine, I was training at Parisi Speed School. And I watched a ton of young kids and a ton of professional athletes and high school kids come to parisi speed school to become faster because in order to get noticed or recognized you have to be big strong and fast mm-hmm. you can't control how big you are but you can control how strong you are and you can control how fast you run depending on how you train so a lot of parents started putting their kids into these programs to develop their athleticism to put them in contention for scholarships so when i retired from the nfl and i came back to brooklyn i was working at Poly Prep, but simultaneously my brother and i were mentoring kids back at at Brooklyn and I realized like man a lot of these kids in poly prep already have the resources they need to be successful Mm -hmm. you know you go to a $40,000 a year school you have access to to coaches who are highly paid you have access to training staff you have access to a full weight room Mm -hmm. I said what about the young man who who grows up in East New York Brownsville Flatbush Canarsie who doesn't have access to any of these things because um the vast majority of people in Brooklyn go to public schools Mm -hmm. and what people don't realize is that public schools are overcrowded the funding is very low and they don't pay any attention to the athletic programs in public schools. Or
2: extracurricular for that matter. Exactly. Whatever, it's, the it's arts. Arts, yeah. anything. Yeah. So I was like, you know what?
1: What if I could develop a program that could mentor young men at the time, it was just young men that's what I was thinking of because I was thinking about football, young men into being collegiate athletes. So I started, I trained, um, Brian and my brother Brian and I trained a young man by the name of Dane Frederickson. He was working as a PA at, at Poly Prep at the time, mm. and he was trying to get into Wagner. No, he was trying to get to a school, and Wagner had offered him an opportunity, but he had to come in shape. Mm. So for the entire fall, I trained him like a professional athlete. He ended up losing over 30 pounds. Um, his 40 time just dropped dramatically. His 225 bench press went up dramatically. He ended up getting a, a full scholarship to Wagner. And um, I remember he, he thanked my brother and I. He just wrote us a card, right? A card had $100 bills my brother and I. Mm-hmm. And it was like a, a token of appreciation. Okay.
3: Yes.
1: And in that moment, I was like, boom, I got it. What if I create a program for young men that they can learn how to be bigger, stronger, faster, but I could also help them academically? Because my brother and I simultaneously, while working with Dave Fredrickson, was working with a group of high school juniors and seniors that went to Thomas Jefferson, Canarsie, Boys and Girls. So in talking to them, I was like, you know, why don't you think you can go to college? These are juniors now. Oh, well, I never took the SAT or the, or the ACT.
2: Yikes.
1: No. <laughs> What's your GPA? About a 70. Mm. You don't even have the prerequisite academics to be considered to be a collegiate athlete, let alone need to be bigger, or strong or fast enough. You need to focus on that.
3: So mm-hmm.
1: that's when I started thinking, hmm, how can I build a program that's going to make sense for these kids financially? Because at the time, we were planning a wedding. I had just retired from the NFL. I wasn't getting paid a lot from poly prep, and I needed to be able to provide for my family. So it started with a litmus test. My brother, Brian, and I paid for all of these kids' memberships to go to the gym. And what we did was we ran a program that I created because I started studying exercise physiology and kinesiology while I was playing football. So I said, let me create a program and see if I can train all of these kids at one time and get them all better. Mm-hmm. So for those three months, we trained the hell out of these kids. Like we we did, We did. put them through every single test and every program that I remember from college to the NFL and these kids got way better. And um, I think the vast majority of these kids ended up being all city. Um, I had a couple kids that got scholarships right away. Um, a couple of kids that ended up having to go to JUCO, but ended up going and playing for school and college. But what that did was show me that I could create a program that could work. Mm -hmm. So before I even got into charging people for what I thought had value, I had to figure out if I could create a program. Right. To make it worth people's money. Absolutely. Then it was creating a price point that works. Mm -hmm. This is where being an entrepreneur. Sometimes people get things lost in translation. For example, entrepreneur. To most people means i don't work for nobody i make my own money <laughs> right right
2: right i make my own schedule
1: i make i, I do everything oh, on my God. own Yes. Yeah. i knew for a fact that i needed to understand the business and i needed to understand the demographic i was getting involved in and i needed to understand the business structure and corporate structure needed to create a business mm-hmm. so i ended up i started working at parisi speed school in order to learn how to run this business so I worked at Parisi Speed School for two years. I made ten dollars an hour. I made literally no money. It cost me more money to get to Staten Island and come back than I did making it every week.
2: That that Verizon Bridge toll too. Forget it. It was twelve huh. at the
1: time. It was twelve fifty <laughs> to get there. Yeah, and I was going to Parisi Speed School six days a week. Mm-hmm. So another thing that entrepreneurs typically need that they don't have is capital. Mm-hmm. You need capital in order to invest time in yourself to learn the business properly Mm -hmm. you don't just jump into any business and try to figure it out you lose way more money that way and what people don't understand is most businesses need up to three years in order to get in the black getting the black means you actually make money Mm -hmm. you spend the first two and a half years investing in the business if it's a good business and then finally on the third year you make money a little return Right. So what you said when they talked about most people don't have the resource, especially black people, mm-hmm. when they're talking about resources or the knowledge, they're really mm-hmm. talking about capital, capital to start. Because most people who start businesses get capital from generational wealth. Mm-hmm. I want to start a business. Let me ask my parents. Let me ask my dad. Mm-hmm. Let me see if he has any buddies who want to invest in this business. Mm-hmm. Most black people come into the world with debt. Right. So when you come into the world with debt, who are you going to ask to first get you out of the debt, then invest in your business? Right. So- After running this litmus test, um, I spoke to a couple of parents. And this is where people, this is a key component to entrepreneurship. At that point in 2010, the price point for personal training was at least $1,500 a month. Which means if you went to a gym and you had a sports performance trainer, they could charge anywhere from $75 to $150 an hour. And most people needed three sessions, sometimes four sessions a week. So think about a single mom in Brooklyn Absolutely or a mom not. and dad who, who yep. live a modest lifestyle who have to pay up to six hundred dollars a week to get four times a, a week training, four times a month.
3: Right.
1: Now you're looking at six hundred dollars times four is twenty four hundred dollars. If you bring it back down to three times a week, now you're looking at four fifty times four hundred. That's eighteen hundred dollars a month. Most people in Brooklyn didn't have that. Mm-hmm. So I said, how could I provide a service for people that's affordable?
2: Right. Then he looks at me and he's like, How can I do that? And I'm like, I don't know <laughs> what to tell you, bro, because uh, how are you going to make this worth it for them so and for you?
1: This is the part of entrepreneurship that people also miss. You have to have the foresight to create businesses that don't even exist. Mm. That's truly entrepreneurship. You can get an idea from people, you can learn about structure, but this business doesn't exist. So it's on you to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So I had to create a football training business that was cost effective for most people and still be able to get them better
3: mm-hmm.
1: so I can't just provide a business and not get them better it has to work so then I you know looked around and watching Parisi Speed School I said, how does Parisi Speed School's business model work they were charging people a membership their membership was 150 dollars a month and they were providing speed performance training for kids so I was like dang that's that's cheap. $150 a month as opposed to $1,500 a month. A
2: month, right. Or per 100, client 150 an hour. For $150 yeah. an hour of a
1: personal training. So then I said, ah, small group training is one way. But mm. large group training can work, especially for football, mm-hmm. because football teams are typically anywhere between 30 to sometimes 80 people on the team. So I was like, hmm, I have to create a program that can train football players, mm-hmm. a lot of football players at one time in a certain time spot to make it make sense for me and for them. Mm-hmm. So that's two things. I have to create a financial structure that works for the business, mm-hmm. but then I have to create a performance training structure that works for them. Because mm-hmm. even if even if I say it's only $150, people want to get the most out of $150.
2: That's a fact.
1: So I'm saying to myself, and this is how I worked. I said, okay, $150 a month if they train three times a week, that's 12 sessions a month, $150 a month, that's a little over $10 a session. How many people do I need to have in this session in order to make it make sense for me? The number I came up with was 30. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: How can I train 30 people at one time and get them better? And that's when I started thinking, I was like, this is what entrepreneurship is. I have to create a program that serves two purposes serves the consumer, and serves me as the owner of the business. And that's what I did with Prototype. I'm not going to give you all my secrets,
3: <laughs> but I was able
1: to create a program that served the consumer and served me as the owner
3: right.
1: without uh, sacrificing the integrity of what I'm really trying to do. Because no, the integrity course, of what I was trying to do was make all of these kids better. better. That's really exactly. what it is.
2: And it's funny, you mentioned um, having the vision, right? And then knowing what is needed. And then bringing your brother along who also believed in it the way I did. I wasn't training nobody, but I was like, mm-hmm. I'll keep the books, I'll do whatever mm-hmm. you need me to do, however you need me to do it. Um, and it was good because you had someone, a partner in your brother who was maybe not as savvy when it came to the mindset of like, what can work right. with with the business in terms of just like, um, Coming up with the ideas and stuff like that. But he was very good at executing. Absolutely. So when you start as an entrepreneur, it's nice to have somebody on your team who can be the worker bee or who can be the one that is now executing the ideas. Because you can have the ideas and then not have someone who's good at execution or vice versa.
1: So you you brought up a good point. I was really good at creativity. Mm -hmm. right? I needed someone to be good with administration. That was you that was me yeah. when we did orientations i was the salesman i sold the people on what my vision was and what my plan was while i was selling them my vision people who wanted to register and sign up went over to kadeen much like i did in, in college <laughs> kadeen had had her computer her laptop paperwork she, highlighters paperwork. Posted. she, she registered everyone in put them in the computer mm-hmm. made sure they had a schedule and
2: And then Brian was working out kids on the side. Brian was working out kids. Giving them a little taste of what was going to happen when they got there.
1: One thing about my brother Brian is he's always on time and he works hard. Mm -hmm. So when we first started, like I said, we we did all of this marketing. Mm -hmm. We spoke to hundreds of people. We had one client. Why is that part of the the story important? Because most people, when they start a business, they expect to see results right away. Mm -hmm. And when they don't get the results that they expect to see right away... They quit. Yep. Like, they quit. For example, Kadeen and I, they're like, oh, y'all, y'all started doing videos for the family. This is dope. We were doing videos with the family when no one was watching. Mm-hmm. The same way my brother Brian and I were training people one at a time when no one was, was paying. paying. And what happens is the, the greatest form of marketing is word of mouth and the product itself. You can spend as much money as you want on trying to make people believe. These fancy commercials, these these high-tech videos. I even watch it today on on Instagram. I see all these trainers. They do all these super videos with all this high-tech stuff. Mm-hmm. And I continue to watch them, and a lot of their pages don't grow, and a lot of their following don't grow, and then after a while, they're no longer doing training anymore.
3: Mm.
1: And what I realized is that a lot of people lack the mental fortitude to go through the business when it's not at its greatest. Mm-hmm. But they also lack the vision to see what people really need people don't really need the flash the flash will get them to pay attention but you need the substance to keep them there and make them pay
2: you need don't need the flash you need the craft too because think about how many people may take a course in something for example i'll use myself makeup artistry right Mm -hmm. was working as a makeup artist when the recession hit I was like, man, I can't sit around and just not do anything. You were playing in the NFL at the time. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what? Used to dip and dab in makeup a little bit in my pageant days. Used to do this girl's makeup and that girl's mm-hmm. makeup. And then that's usually every makeup artist's journey, right? Mm-hmm. They've been doing makeup on their friends mm-hmm. and then finally develop something that they kind of have an act for. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, let me just start doing makeup and mm-hmm. let me start charging people. So when I started doing makeup now, I didn't really have the title, per se, of a makeup artist, but it, right. I knew it was something that I could do, right? Um, so went up to the MAC Cosmetics in Michigan at, uh, I think it was, was it Somerset Mall? Somerset Mall. Somerset Mall, Mall and um, interviewed through a couple rounds and was hired as a makeup artist. So, working for the company, I now saw an opportunity to say, all right, at least I have a job. Mm-hmm. Um, I can use my creativity in a way. Didn't really feel like work to me because I'm like, all right, you That's know, I'm you helping love. women. Yeah, yes. I'm helping women feel better and look better and, and, you know, feel better about themselves. And, you know, I'm selling makeup, whatever, not, nothing too serious. Um, And then saw the opportunity when girls on the side were like, oh, I have this wedding this weekend that I'm doing. And I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. you're doing a wedding this weekend. What does that look like, you know? Mm -hmm. And a couple of the girls I saw was kind of tapping in. They said, you know, a wedding, you know, bride costs this much. You got five, six, seven, eight bridesmaids. Mm -hmm. You got mother of the bride, mother of the groom.
3: Before Mm -hmm.
2: you know it, you have about 10, 12 faces that you have to Mm do. If you charge, you know, $100 $100 a face. And I was like, $100 a face? Like, that's the going rate, you know, mm-hmm. back in the day. And to me, it just made so much sense. But what happened through my journey with Mac, even though I worked as a, a, a manager, mm-hmm. was a promoted to assistant manager, key holder and all that, I still kept that job because I felt like it kept me in the industry. It kept me abreast of what was happening in the industry. It kept me abreast and, and I was able to, sharpen my skills as a makeup artist
1: yeah because you weren't just a makeup artist you were a member of the impact team you oh understood yeah corporate structure Absolutely. you learned how to manage the books you understood sales Absolutely. you understood products all of that is part of entrepreneurship it's not all just part being of it. A makeup artist. so
2: it's about going into the industry and working in different areas of the industry to see how these moving parts work right mm-hmm. so being a part of the impact team did what it taught me how to be around other artists and how to learn from other artists mm-hmm. being um you know, in the stores help me to deal with the customers and see what customers really want, what mm-hmm. they like, what they don't like. Going to training meetings where I can talk about product, what's needed in the industry, mm-hmm. what we're missing, what people are looking for. I kind of was in different parts of it. So when time came for me to say, you know what, Kadeen, retail hours don't really do well with my schedule and my, my, and, my and my mental health right now because mm-hmm. I have my husband and my baby at home that I wanna have more time for. I want that autonomy over my time. I was then able to say, all right, I can step back from working there full time as a manager. However, if I step back, let me stay as a freelance artist so I can still have my foot in the industry by being able, being able to come back to the stores and work from time to time. So that way I can also just stay in the industry mm-hmm. while still serving people outside of the store. Yes, And I say that to say a lot of times you see people will pick up a craft or they'll start a craft and then all of a sudden they're an expert uh-huh. and then they're teaching these how to classes and they want to teach people how to do it and they have in coaching sessions and all that. And they haven't even really fully built themselves up to be the expert in that field. Mm-hmm. You know, you know um, where I think that comes from
1: um there's there's been this stigma for especially millennials gen zers that in order to be an entrepreneur you have to figure everything out on your own and you can't work for no one else to learn right and you you have to do it right away right it has to happen immediately Mm -hmm. for you and i you worked at mac cosmetics shout out to mac because it taught you a lot about the business in the industry oh yeah i worked at parisi speed school under gary miller gary miller was a program director for parisi speed school for years Everything I know about the fitness industry and the business, I learned from Gary Miller. The first thing he did was tell me I have to get NASM certified. That's the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of players, uh, not players, there's a lot of um, trainers who are not certified. Mm -hmm. So they don't understand the industry standard of what it means to be an expert in that field. Mm. And a lot of people ask me, you know, what's the difference between prototype and all these other people popping up with programs left and right? I said, well, I, I respect the craft of the industry, Yes. right? The industry has standards and it doesn't matter what type of business you open. There's an industry mm-hmm. for that business. And the more you learn about the industry, you can learn about your business and it can help you. And and being a part of um, these industry standards or learning, for example, Kadeen going to... I remember Kadeen was... And and this is just to talk about how Kadeen and I always worked together. When I started my businesses... Cadina always worked in administration. Mm-hmm. When she had interviews for Mac to be on the impact team, to do all these other things, I drove her. We mm-hmm. discussed these things. When she started her business, I talked to her about having contract. Mm-hmm. Because this is another thing people don't understand about yeah. businesses. Businesses require contracts.
2: And liability. Absolutely. Who's and a, be responsible a lot if of people shit hit
1: the fan. A lot of people don't <laughs> understand that.
2: Well, even think about you when you talk about training. Everybody, if there's people walking around that say they're trainers, how do you know to train somebody appropriately and properly if they have, for example, high blood pressure? Absolutely. Or what to look for for signs of you mm-hmm. know they're in distress. Or mm-hmm. me as a makeup artist, how do I know what to use on someone's skin if they have an allergy to latex and I can't put lashes on them because the glue has latex in it? Like, I'm glad you. There's so that many up. different things that are beyond just thinking about. Oh, I run my own business.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because being a trainer. One of the first things I've learned, and this was, and and I had trained Dave. I started training kids in the park on football drills and stuff like that. But then when I went to the, um, to get my NASM, become NASM certified, they they talked about this thing called a Park U. And I was like, what's a Park U? And it's pretty much a questionnaire to make sure that anytime someone is in your hands, Mm -hmm. you're responsible for their health and well-being. Mm -hmm. You're responsible for their death if they die while training. These are things that you don't think about when you're training. So, yeah. You have the park queue. Some of the questions are, have you ever had diabetes, blood high blood pressure, have you suffered from a stroke in the last six months? These are questions that most people who've never trained before don't ask. Right? They just say, you're out of shape, let's go to the park and you starting with a mile. Mm-hmm. Then someone starts running and pass out, you know, you don't know CPR. When I was NASA certified, we all had to take CPR classes. I'm like, wow, if you don't understand the industry standards of a business, you can't even be considered an expert or run your business safely. Mm-hmm. I know one of my, my buddies is starting a training business. First thing I asked him, do you have an LLC? What well, do I need an LLC for? It. You gonna train people and not have an LLC? What if you're training someone in the park and they step in a pothole, the city, it's the city in the park because at the time you never have a gym, mm-hmm. and they tear their knee? They are gonna sue you, bro. Mm-hmm. How they gonna sue me? It's in the park. You're the trainer, you're responsible for them. He had no clue, but part of the reason why he had no clue is because most people don't respect the craft of whatever business or mm-hmm. industry they're in, mm-hmm. so they try to skip steps and end up fucking themselves because mm-hmm. they either get sued, they don't make no money, or people look at them like a joke. But those are the parts of entrepreneurship people want to skip.
3: Right.
1: Those are, those are the things you learn in the first two to three years while starting your business to be able to even say, I'm an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And people don't want to hear it, but you need that time. You need to learn from people. There's nothing wrong with, like you said, starting your business, working to build your business while working for someone else.
2: Yes. Say that again.
1: You know, there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with having your business, starting your business while working for someone else for two reasons. Number one, you need capital.
2: Facts. And there's no- paycheck paycheck's still coming in. Like I told to- you I was still freelancing because I was like, at least it was guaranteed money coming Absolutely. to my account every week. Yes.
1: And we had insurance. <laughs> yes. So you have insurance you have a constant paycheck coming in what that does is that relieves stress when that relieves stress you're allowed to move a little bit differently and take more chances in your business Mm -hmm. because you don't have as much stress plus the capital allows you to continuously invest in your business and the bigger your business gets the more money it costs to invest in your business as we got more children we needed more t-shirts we needed more shorts we needed more equipment we needed more gym time this costs thousands and thousands of dollars a month that when you become an entrepreneur, the money comes in and i like, I'm making money. But the money also goes, goes
2: out. We just spoke about this. And you, it was, I watched you
1: with the same thing. You need yep. to buy more brushes. You need to buy a bigger more brush products. kit, more yep. product. When you invested in doing classes, we had to buy studio we time. We an
2: extra car because now we have two different, you know, livelihoods. He's one place, I'm one place. Mm-hmm. i got to travel all these places for weddings and whatnot. You had to
1: hire an so, assistant. Yep. Assistants get paid. Yep. So, and and then you had to pay for your assistant to know the industry standard and go through these classes. These are the things that people don't don't realize are necessary to have a successful business. Mm -hmm. So...
2: Yeah. It's funny, (laughs) my soundbite... We were joking because I said you. You talked about you know entrepreneurship, and I said that we need more electricians. Mm. I've, that's just a meme that I saw recently. But there was also someone on Instagram. Um, I forget who it was. I think it was I'm Cleo Trappa, mm. but she had said something like, "Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur, but we need." you know burger flippers at (laughs) at, you know (laughs) mcdonald's we need you know people who are just going to be doing basic jobs too so it's like everybody can't be the entrepreneur there's some people who just don't have the mindset for it some people that just don't feel to do that they're just Mm -hmm. like you know i don't want to be an entrepreneur i'm okay working this Mm -hmm. nine to five for tom dick or harry just because like you don't have to necessarily feel, because I feel like it's almost like a trend now that people just want to, or it just may maybe this generation that right. everybody just has this desire to, I don't want to work for nobody. I want to just be my own boss. But not everybody can be a boss because you need the consumers and you need the people on the back right. end making your business thrive.
1: But, but I, I do think that there's something to be said about the quote unquote American dream, right? Mm-hmm. The American dream is that you work, right? What's, what's our, our motto? Why do we work? to build, build capital. capital, why do we build capital? To, to make your money, money work, work for you. you. You don't wanna have to work for someone your whole life. Right. Ultimately, you want to have time. Mm-hmm. Right. I've said this on the last podcast, if you had to describe wealth in one word, mm-hmm. it's time.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Being an entrepreneur gives you time. Yep. But what people don't understand is when you're an entrepreneur, you never clock out. That's so exact. yes, you have time, you can move, you can do things, but your brain is always working on ways to keep up with the industry trends. You mm-hmm. talked about being trendy, right? Every industry has trends. So when you think that you're gonna create something in an industry that's gonna be brand new, mm-hmm. right? Unless you're, unless you're Elon Musk mm-hmm. and you created the Tesla, which is one of the first electric cars that are, are faster than like a Ferrari, mm-hmm. there are trends within the industry that can teach you the peaks and valleys of when you're gonna make money, when you're gonna lose money. For example, this is important, if you're in fitness, you know that during the summertime, the entire fitness industry goes down the drain. Mm -hmm. You wanna know why? People are outside outside. showing off those bodies that they worked (laughs) for since January 1st. Mm -hmm. So the peak years, the the peak time for the fitness industry is New Year's. Mm -hmm. So you get get people, high influx of people, January 1st, all the way up until February. Mm -hmm. Then as they get into the spring, people start to trend downward because you have spring break, Mm -hmm. people have kids, they lack off, they come right back right before the summer. Mm -hmm. So that that May May area, you get a high influx, then you have a valley again, the summer, all the way till September. Why? The kids are out of school. Mm -hmm. When the kids are out of school, people travel, they go on vacation, they're not in the gym training, they're showing off those summer bodies. Then September comes around, the kids are back in school, people say, you know what, I need to get back into the gym. Because before this holiday season I comes I had damage control
2: before the holidays. Exactly. See? So you know.
1: September, <laughs> October, me. you get eight weeks. People come in. November, December, people just crash. Say, yo, it's the end of the year. They're going to get whatever body I give because it's cuddle season. I am me. And it starts over again. I am again. people,
2: y'all. <laughs> I am people. You are people? I never realized, but the, that's my ebb and flow. You get, fl- you get fluffy during the
1: wintertime? <laughs> yeah.
2: It's, more, the fluffy, it's more,
1: more to love. It's just more to love. You know, you hug.
2: Know. More body heat. <laughs> there you go.
1: But, um. No, it's important for people to to understand the ebbs and flows of every industry. Mm-hmm. This way, you can prepare your pockets. That to say, you know what for the summertime. And and shout out to my boy Dolo. Um uh, He Dolo was I never extraordinaire. Yes, <laughs> Dolo and Dolo sold everything. Dolo Dolo sold water. He sold bottle caps. Oh he, man, uh, he Jackson, bottle caps. Jackson Jackson asked me one time. Was just like, Yo, Daddy, let me ask you a serious question. <laughs> so what? What is Dolo water? And I was like, it's water. He's like, is it like Dolo's sweat? Like, why would I drink Dolo's water? Like, where does he get the water from? Like, does he just take it from his apartment? I said, bro, I don't know. But he packages it. He sells it. Dolo sells slippers, shorts.
2: But you know what? Also, two people bought into with Dolo. Dolo.
1: Oh, oh, I'm glad you said that.
2: Entrepreneurship. People buy into the person. Yes,
1: ma'am. You know what I'm saying? They're not always
2: buying into a product per se. Yes, ma'am. People buy into the way someone makes them feel. Absolutely. You know like I I just think he just literally comes to mind as that like just being around him just his energy he's always he's always positive like seems like he never has you a bad that day. Up. That's what people are buying into, particularly, I know, in the training industry. But mm-hmm. you, you sometimes, too, even just with makeup artistry, you sit down and you vibe with somebody. They have mm-hmm. great energy. I think about the people who I have, mm-hmm. you know, that are on my staff mm-hmm. or my, my payroll that I always employ to do whatever task. It's because I enjoy having that person around and I see the value in their expertise in whatever field that is. So why? anybody who you see on our team, you know that we just love having these people around.
1: You want to know why? The people become the brand. Mm-hmm. Jay-Z just, he was on Instagram and I just saw, saw a meme and he was like, man, fuck Nike. And he said, not not fuck Nike personally, but fuck, like fuck Nike. Like the people who create, who are wearing the Nikes become the brand, right? Like Michael Jordan made Nike what Nike is. Before mm-hmm. Michael Jordan stepped into Nikes, everyone was wearing Adidas. Right. They're wearing Pumas. Those were like the big brand names Reebok with the big brand names Reebok, in like the yeah. 80s. Michael Jordan comes in there and turns Nike into this powerhouse. Mm. And now, you know, he has his own Jordan brand, but Nike has become this global brand based off of Michael Jordan because people become the brand. The culture is the brand. And when you rep- when you understand that, like you said, and you understand that people buy into you, mm-hmm. you start to recognize your power. And then you recognize, you know what? In this industry, I'm going to recognize trends. But I'm not going to try to be trendy. You mm-hmm. want to know why? When you try to become trendy, trendy things die.
2: As a shelf life.
1: So if you're following trends, it's going to die. You have to become the brand that people buy into. Mm-hmm. The same way he said when he was trying to get into to music, everyone was saying, oh, Columbia, 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 this record, this company. So they created rock. I mm-hmm. wonder what Rockefeller Records was. Now, Rockefeller Records is Rock Nation. Mm-hmm. And Rock Nation, Rockefeller is the brand. Right. And it's the people. So I'm glad you brought that point up because people have to understand that the power of the brand is the person. Mm-hmm. You represent the brand every time you go out and make an interaction with someone mm-hmm. or make a transaction with someone. So understand that as an entrepreneur, you represent your brand with everything you do.
2: Absolutely. So. Absolutely. All right, some fun facts to leave y'all with before we get into another break and come back with listener letters. 35% of black business owners are women. Cool. Forty-four mm-hmm. percent of black business owners use their own cash to start their own venture that was us that was us um 30 37.9 percent of black business owners say that they are discouraged from applying for loans that was
1: me i um quick story i applied for loans early on Mm -hmm. and did not get approved here's the crazy part my white counterparts with less capital with less business acumen, mm-hmm. uh, with less references, got approved for business loans. Surprise, surprise. When I didn't. So I had to use my own capital, and I also used other black capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, a young man by the name of Marcel Vernon Yay, invested 25000 in elite prototype athletics to help us rebuild the gym mm-hmm. in 2014. Yep. And we moved from Aviator Sports Complex to PacPlex mm-hmm. and was able to build out our program and extend from servicing 400 to over a thousand athletes a year and if it wasn't for Marcel I don't think we would have been able to do that so shout out to Marcel Vernon for investing black man worked for Cushman and Wake started his own business and he gave me all the knowledge I needed to move forward so right
2: that's why it's good to link and network with people yes sir you know uh, we gotta we gotta be each other's support system and
1: not be afraid to ask for help absolutely when you need it but I'm this this with Marcel did not happen like this right I didn't go to Marcel like yo man let me get 25,000 I got a business idea I already had a successful business exactly that was making money I still then proof
2: of concept right there I had
1: proof of concept but I still wrote out a full 10 page business plan Mm -hmm. and presented it to Marcel and said this is what I would like to do, this is what I would like to do moving forward. Mm-hmm. If you were able to invest this, it would allow me to generate this amount of returns for you. There you so go. he invested in the business, got his money back, and then got a percentage of the business through perpetuity as the business existed until mm-hmm. I eventually sold the business. So
2: See, exactly. So it's not just like going to your homeboy who you know nah. might have a little cash. It didn't like, yo, happen like that. <laughs> I got a business idea.
1: <laughs> Which we get now because oh, of people come to us like, yo, Deval, I got a business idea. And then when you ask them for a business plan, they get upset. They're like, or you say, you know, send your business plan to my manager. They're like, oh, you sending me to your manager. It's like, well, if you have a business idea, you should have a business plan <laughs> that my financial advisor and my manager can look over and say, this may be worth the while. Absolutely. If not, keep it moving. Like, I, it's no disrespect. But you just want me That's to give you money is. so you can figure things out
2: right no not doing that not doing it and new york has the greatest number of black owned businesses in the country i'm not surprised to hear that because new york what do we do we gonna hustle baby yes. new we york gonna is hustle. The hustle we gonna find a way all right yes now let's hustle our ass into some breaks <laughs> uh so we can make some money We're talking about entrepreneurship and we'll be back with listener letters after this
1: You may be aware that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood every day. Our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life black excellence is in our blood visit redcrossblood.org slash our blood to make an appointment now
2: all right ladies let's be real who here actually enjoys shaving their legs hmm. yeah i thought so and get this near yes near the og that i used for years has now leveled up and they have these new sensational shower creams and body creams that smell amazing my personal favorite Smell for yourself. Try the reformulated near body and shower creams available at retailers nationwide and online. Listener letter time. Let's yes. jump into the listener. Letter. Okay, hey Kadeen. I love when people say, hey Kadinium and Val." <laughs> it's Kadeen, I am. But I love that you're thorough. Um, Hey Kadine first and foremost, congratulations on all your success thus far in baby Dakota, thank you. As I start writing this letter, I'm trying to understand why it took me so long to write to you guys in the first place. Well, we here now. <laughs> i've been following you guys since 2017 and fell in love with your way of life i love the transparency you guys give throughout your videos and podcasts well thanks sis Mm -hmm. as a millennial myself i catch myself screaming at my phone when listening to you guys talk because you talk so much truth thank you for being such an inspiration to me three years ago i found my purpose in helping others to understand their own self-worth i am in the process of becoming a self-love life coach I've been consistent with posting, speaking everything into existence and disciplining myself to not give up. I will hashtag until I'm blue in the face. I tag people, including you both, to help promote myself. My problem is how do you promote what people can't see? How do you promote internal understanding of self without selling a physical item or humor? Hmm.
1: Consistency. Hmm. This is the truth. Um, I've been making videos of my family for years before y'all found us. Facts. And at the time, I, I never used the hashtag. I never tagged anyone. I didn't use any celebrities to try to share my stuff.
2: Yes. It was super early in social media too where I think people it were still feeling out. It was 2016 when we
1: finally caught well, on. Well,
2: Instagram kind of when we, I guess when we caught on. I guess yeah, we, it wasn't Facebook's early. been around for a long Facebook's time. Facebook's been around. Yeah, Twitter's forget. been around. Yeah.
1: But um, realistically, there's, there's no this is what you do to catch it. Even when you go to a firm, and you pay a firm to create buzz for you. There's mm-hmm. no guarantee that a video is going to go viral.
2: Which we tried.
1: Yes, we did try. I tried yeah. before before I started creating videos for myself mm-hmm. in 2014. I hired a firm mm-hmm. to help me create posts more consistently because mm-hmm. I wanted. I, at the time, I wasn't as engaged on social media, and what I heard was if you post every day or you post consistently, you get more engagement, right. which is true. Right. So I hired a firm. Um, it cost a lot of money. They created posts, but it was generic, standard posts that they just took off the internet memes that they took and created captions, and they just posted it on my Twitter and my Instagram. And although my engagement went up initially because I was posting more, the type of engagement never went up Mm -hmm. because it wasn't my voice. It wasn't me. It wasn't until I started focusing solely on what my voice was gonna be and stopped focusing on trying to go viral that I actually went viral.
2: Because at the
1: time, going viral wasn't even really a thing. Right, we didn't know what that was. We didn't know what that was until the videos started to get millions of views and then being shared. The good thing about recording videos prior to going viral was that once I did finally go viral, I had a catalog of videos similar to the ones that people found that that went, similar to the one that people found that went viral. Mm -hmm. So when they found my profile, they now had a whole catalog of years of content that they could go over and share, and then my page just continued to grow from there. Mm -hmm. So you you can't, um, there's no quick fix to hard work and dedication and consistency and living in your truth. Yeah, Because people tend to share things that they can relate to.
2: And it's also a thing where you need to consider the fact that you're gonna find your audience and your true audience by putting out your true work, right? So you can't will a certain audience to find or appreciate what you post or, or relate to it. Um, ultimately, you're gonna have your niche of people that will support and follow you because that's what they're looking for usually people on social media are looking for something right what do we go to social social media for are you going to um, social media to make purchases are you looking for the latest trend are you Mm -hmm. looking to laugh at something are you looking Mm -hmm. for a pick-me-up like there are different reasons why people engage on social media and to what extent are you looking for the latest gossip like there's so many different things so your audience will naturally find you if you're continuing to put out organic work um, and I don't think you necessarily need to change anything because then it will be hard to keep up with. It's like trying to keep on trend with something that can ever be changing.
1: And you're right. Um, the algorithm tends to put people in front of the type of people who are looking for that content. Mm -hmm. So for example, I like to look for motivational wisdom quotes. Mm -hmm. So if you're a self-help life coach, Mm -hmm. um, there's a good chance that if you constantly put out the same content and people are sharing it, you'll end up on someone else's page who's looking for the same thing without even trying because the algorithm does that to keep people engaged to the app. It's important for people to know that. They, They make money by us staying on the app. And mm-hmm. constantly scrolling. So they'll constantly put like-minded people in front of you mm-hmm. so that you continuously continuously stay on the app.
2: Yep. So There you go. Hope that helps, sis. Yes. Keep at it.
1: Number two. Hi, and DeVal. Much love to you and your family. Thank you so much. My fiance and I have been together for four and a half years. We are two madly in love millennials in our 30s who still date and have fun. That's what's up. However, our communication around business hasn't always been the best. We just wrapped up one year of couples therapy in November, and we are now trying to communicate with each other on our own. My issue is that even though I ask him to help me plan our future, he is not proactive at life building together. He seems strictly focused on his side business, an online movie blog and his nine to five jobs his nine to five job. How do I get my fiance to bring more than his share of bills to the table, or bring more than his share of bills to the table. How do I get him to be the partner that talks business and is proactive in planning our future with me? Side note, I've already tried sharing my ideas, asking him his long-term goals, but they are met with either hesitation or brevity. I run an Airbnb business, and he runs an international online movie blog. Something is going over my head. Help. Hmm. So the first thing I'll say is, we as individuals have to learn to respect other people's processes mm-hmm. right like we mentioned before until we know the full context of the story which we don't have because we only have her ver- version it's hard to get a full idea mm-hmm. of what's happening mm-hmm. right because if you would have asked me what my ideas what business were and how kadeen was involved early on in our marriage you would have heard me say Kadine is nowhere near in the, nowhere near as involved or interested in the things that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. But I had to learn through life that her process is different. I Very tend different, to yeah. think of an idea and go full steam ahead of it and try to figure things out on my way. Mm-hmm. Kadine is more of a, okay, that's your idea. Let me take a couple of days to think. Then I'm going to plan, write some notes, replan, and then figure out exactly how I'm going to attack it. To me, it seems like that's wasting time and procrastinating. To her that's how her process is mm-hmm. so sometimes in business especially when you know you're new i mean you guys it says they've been together five years yeah we we were Four together 13 years. Mm-hmm. years and i still ain't no about Kadine. still so, figuring
2: it out to this day yeah
1: five years may seem like <laughs> a lot to you because you're existing in that five years but you right. still have a long time to learn this person mm-hmm. but if you guys continue to talk about your processes and mm-hmm. how you view business strategy and life building you'll learn what the process is and and you'll learn to work together.
2: And she says that he's strictly focused on his side business. Is this side business and his nine to five what he enjoys doing right now? That might just be where he finds his happiness and where he's content working in that space. I mean, you talk about life building together and, you know, what does that look like for him? You know, you mm-hmm. guys just may be on two different time frames of what life building looks like. He mm-hmm. might feel like, well, in this season mm-hmm. of where I am, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing my nine to five and I enjoy doing this online movie blog. You enjoy doing your Airbnb and whatever else you have going on. So you kind of might just have to let him work through his own process of this is where he is now. Yeah. And maybe having the discussion about a year term goal, then having like a three-year goal and then a five-year goal like we do um that has worked for us in the past where we kind Mm -hmm. of say in at least in the next five years we would like to accomplish xyz and kind of like making a checklist it's kind of like a mental vision board for us of what we foresee happening for Mm -hmm. us in the future so I feel like you should just continue to have the conversation like anything else mm-hmm. um, when it comes to relationships. Just keep the conversations going and don't necessarily discredit or discourage what he has going on now because you right. may not see the value in it. Right. Clearly, he sees some value in it and it's be bringing him at least some sort of joy. And I'm hoping some, it's lucrative <laughs> financially for you guys.
1: Yeah, um, I think I think we all have to get used to ridding ourselves of this egocentric view of life. Mm -hmm. Like if someone is not trying to do life the way I'm doing it is wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think we all as individuals tend to do that until you find a life partner and you watch them go through life and you say, dang, this person is super successful doing something that I never would have done. Right. I got a first row seat of watching you do that. You got a first row seat of, of watching me do that. Yeah. So I empower all of you couples to take time to continue to express to each other what your issues may be. Mm hmm in real time
2: mm-hmm.
1: but also give each other grace to figure it out
2: sounds good to me mm-hmm. all right y'all write us in email us flood 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 that box because we want to hear more about what you have going on and it's not just listener letters if there's a particular topic that y'all have in mind that we haven't spoke about yet or something that we have covered and maybe you want to follow up to be sure to email us at deadassadvice at com. we want to hear from you that is
1: D-E-A-D-A-S-S-A-D-V-I-C-E <laughs> at gmail.com. Dot com.
2: All right. Moment of truth time. What do we talk about today? Black entrepreneurship or what it takes to start and run a successful business. I feel like you, Deval, were able to break down in the beginning of the show mm. a lot of what um, steps you took to start a prototype. Um, I spoke mm. about my transition from working retail makeup to doing my own thing and having my own little makeup business. So what's your little tidbit that you want to leave these folks with today
1: well this is my moment of truth it's going to be the five key things you need to start a business mm, my nice. moment of truth, okay did number you make one, a list um yeah actually trouble <laughs> made the list but i agree <laughs> with all it. five of these things on here right okay number one choose your business idea make sure you choose a business idea that is in high demand mm-hmm. make sure that it is a product or service that people need all the time that's number one number two write a business plan. Okay. don't get offended when you're trying to ask people to help you with your business and they ask you to write a business plan. Put all of your ideas on paper. And a business plan typically has a barrier of entry, the full business and an exit strategy. Hmm. So when you're writing a full business plan, make sure you know everything it takes to get started in this business. Make sure you write out how long you, you plan the business on lasting what the return is going to be, return on investment, that's called ROI, and also the exit strategy, how and when you plan on selling the business because all businesses don't last forever. Mm -hmm. Number three, register your business. This is important. LLC, S-Corp, C-Corp, in a trust. Make sure you register your business legally so that you can pay taxes and also get tax breaks. The good thing about having a business is that you get tax breaks. I read a book called uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. It said, rich dad makes money, spends money, pays taxes. Poor dad makes money, pays taxes, spends money. Mm. Which means you end up paying more money in taxes when you spend it afterwards. Mm -hmm. You have to register your business so this way you can protect yourself and your business. Number four, get certified as a minority business owner. If you are a minority. Also, if you are a a woman, get registered as a minority woman business owner. There are tons of way for number five to find funding for your business if you get certified as a minority or a woman business owner and it's important to find financing for your business because it costs money to make money so if you think you're going to start a business from scratch and figure it out and it's not going to cost you anything you are sadly mistaken because what will happen is even if you do make money in the very beginning you're going to utilize all of that money to put back in the business to make more money. So try to get financing for your business first. This way you don't automatically have to start in the red. So those well, are my moments of truth. Hope you can take away from those moments of truth. Well, develop and be great. Up
2: all the moments. Deve- ain't, ain't no moments left.
1: It is what it is, baby. Ain't no
2: moments left for your girl. <laughs> I guess what I was going to say, the one thing I had to say to kind of sum it all up was just do the work. Mm -hmm. Do the work. If this is something that means something to you and you want to have that wealth, which means time Mm -hmm. equating to autonomy over your time to be able to move freely because you have a business that's running. Also just knowing that it's not going to be a thing where you can clock out. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of entrepreneurship has a 24-7 cycle of work. Mm-hmm. Just do the work. Do the due diligence. If you have a craft that you are trying to um, make a business and you want to make it lucrative, continue to work on that craft. Continue to be a student to that craft so that way you can make the, the experience for those who do patron your business a rich experience. Yes. Okay? That is on that. And be sure to follow us on social media, Deadass the podcast. And I'm Kadeen. I am. And
1: I am Deval. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate, review, review and, and subscribe. subscribe.
2: And share this, share this episode and all the episodes with your friends that they think you think can benefit from them. You know, sharing is caring.
1: Deadass. Deadass is a production of iHeartMedia Podcast Network and is produced by Denora Pena and Tribble. Follow the podcast on social media at Deadass the Podcast and never miss a thing.
2: Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.
1: It's time to celebrate Black History Month at the Walmart Black and Unlimited Clock, one at Flatiron Plaza in New York City, and one at Ovation Hollywood in Los Angeles from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. With giveaways dropping every hour on the hour, it's a perfect time to try, like, and share black-led products. It's free for everyone, and it's your chance to see how you can level up your daily routine with black-led products that are creating a new world of choices at Walmart. Trust, you don't want to miss it.